What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Bucks as Milwaukee uh, enjoying themselves, perhaps. A little bit of time, a little day off in LA. Uh, typically, that uh, could be some trouble, but uh, this Bucks team, Justin, we know and this is a mature bunch we're dealing with here. So they've got a game against the Lakers. We're going to look ahead to that. We're going to give Pat Connaughton some love as well. He's had a, a big few years with the Bucks, but certainly this season, uh, he's gone to another level. And then we're going to just look again at the standings, and the Bucks seem to be gaining momentum. Giannis had some interesting comments regarding the schedule around the All-Star break. So there's plenty to get to. There always is. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. See and hear me on this show every weekday and also find my work over at ESPN. And joining me, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, Justin Garcia, a regular host on this show. You can also hear him on the Bucks Radio Network, which uh, will include a post-game show tomorrow night after the Bucks play the Lakers at about 1 o'clock in the morning. So this guy, you can never question Justin's commitment. There's no doubt about that. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online where the game starts. Uh, and Justin, I, I joke about it, but uh, we always thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks their first listen of every single day. But technically, uh, their first listen of tomorrow could be the post game show because you are pulling, <laughs> you are pulling some late shifts when the Bucks go out to the West Coast. That has to be your worst nightmare. Um, yeah, I guess it's good and bad where, um, I mean, in the interest of transparency, this isn't the only job that I have. So uh, on East coast games, it can be a stretch at times to you know, get everything done and then start my obligations for a Bucks game at six o'clock, which means you know, getting to the radio station and hearing Bud talk at four 30 and getting there early. But for the West coast games, you think, man, I got all day that, I can work a full day, then I can go run some errands, and then I go into the radio station. But then you see the clock, and it happened on Saturday against the Blazers where it's like, all right, they're winning. Holy, is it really 12-15 right now? <laughs> the day just kind of slips away. Yes, uh, this game against the Lakers, uh, that's going to be a 9 p.m. Central tip. For me, it's 2 p.m., which I also don't really like either. First of all, because it's very difficult to get a co-host in the U.S. that's willing to podcast <laughs> in the middle of the week at midnight for a post-game show. Uh, but secondly, then it's it's dragging into my nights. These games, this is the good thing. The only good thing about being in Australia and not being able to be in the arenas is the fact that I can watch these games in the morning. By mid-afternoon, I'm done with the podcast. I can move on to my other jobs and that sort of stuff. So, uh, look, it's not ideal. But I think it is interesting when you talk about the Bucks' perspective. And we mentioned yesterday... On the show, they've won seven out of uh, the last 10. So seven and three over the last 10 games uh, by virtue of some other results that have occurred across the league as we're recording this Milwaukee second in the East. They're one game behind the Miami Heat. Obviously, they'll play the struggling Lakers tomorrow. It's another opportunity to win. We'll get to that Lakers game a bit more specifically. But you pointed out 
that the Bucks have actually uh, started this little mini run and they had a similar thing last year where they strung some wins together pre-All-Star break and post-All-Star break. And it's so funny. One of the big cliches that you always hear, and sometimes you see players almost roll their eyes when they're asked about it in press conferences. Well, it's the dog days of the, the season. The dog days are here. How are you finding motivation? How are you getting into this game, trying to win? Giannis had an interesting quote, and you can go check out the full story from the post game from our friend Eric Name over at The Athletic. But Giannis said, maybe some guys, some teams are not as obsessed with basketball. They're thinking about their vacation thinking about where they're going to go. But this is where you have to get some wins. And one of the the main, I guess, uh, catch cries, calling cries, whatever you want to say, that we've been using on this show all season long is simply banking wins. And yes, the Bucs are out West. They've had some uh, fortuitous, uh, let's say, uh, trades and injuries and stuff with some of these opponents that they're coming up against. But this is an opportunity to really lock in if you can do it. If you could do it and lock in and get some wins here, it's going to count. And we're starting to see that a little bit in the standings here the last week or so. Yeah, I um, yeah, I talked about this on a, on a couple of different shows, and I think we touched on it on the... You're on um, all shows? That's, that's... Yeah, on, the, oh, on, the, uh, on the radio broadcast too. Okay. But um, this is, to me... Uh, a really important stretch for the Bucks because I know I've talked about it on here before, but March is absolutely brutal. That uh, I think it's 15 games that they play. Maybe it's 14, but nine are on the road. And most of those road games are against the top five teams in the league that you have. Uh, well, you have the Suns on the road here, but you have the Suns on the schedule in March. You have the Warriors on the road, the Jazz on the road, a game at home against the Bulls. You have the Memphis Grizzlies on the road, the Sixers, the Nets. So it's a really, really tough stretch of scheduling that they have in March. So it's important to make sure you, as you said, bank those wins. And you don't want to enter the All-Star break or enter the month of March basically at the spot the Brooklyn Nets were in. And um, that was a real possibility at one point, especially when it appeared the wheels had fallen off against the Denver Nuggets. So what they've done here, winning games that they're supposed to win, I've had some pushback from listeners to our our shows here locally of, well, it's not that impressive. I mean, the Blazers aren't a good team. The Clippers without Kawhi and and Paul George aren't a good team, that we can't make too much of this. But my contention is, look, yes, I agree that it's not as though the Bucs are beating the best teams in the league right now, but they've looked consistent. There hasn't been that awful quarter they haven't played with their food and let leads slip away here. And I mean, these are games they weren't winning before. So to me, that's at least one huge step in the right direction. And tomorrow, tonight, whenever you're listening to this against the Lakers, they should win that game. The The Phoenix Suns game, everybody's looking forward to that. But to me, I still, I still maintain the home game against the Sixers, the final game before the All-Star break. That's the biggest game in this stretch for the Bucs because it's a conference game. And because the Eastern Conference remains crazy right now with the standings, and who knows what Philly's going to look like when that game rolls around, they may be ahead of you in the standings again. So you have a couple of difficult games, but sandwiched in there is a lot of really, really winnable games. Two against the Blazers, the Pacers, uh, what they're on right now, the Lakers. So there's a a strong chance for the Bucs, and I think we should all expect to go into the All-Star break going six and two or even seven and one in those games you have in February leading into the break. And that's basically what they did last year, where it was uh, six and one 
that they uh, won going into the break. And they had an eight-game win streak, which kind of wrapped around the All-Star break. So they won their first seven outside of the break. So that schedule sandwiched around it. They went 13-1, and one, and that's really when the season turned around. And I think they went 25-12 and 12 the rest of the way and were a top-five defense. And that's when everything was figured out. So uh, they have a chance to do the same thing, and, and they're kind of on that path right now. Coincidentally, that 6-1 and one stretch last year started after a 31-point home loss to the Denver Nuggets, and now they could potentially go 7-1 and one or 6-2 and two following a 36-point home loss to the Denver Nuggets. Well, let me just say, firstly, the, the, the people that will call up or they'll get on Twitter or they'll say, well, they're only beating such and such. It doesn't matter. I can guarantee you they're the exact same people that if they lose to those teams, <laughs> they will be telling you that the franchise is about to fold and move to Seattle. So some people are always going to be either uh, on the negative side of things. We know that. Uh, you mentioned the loss to Denver and perhaps some similarities uh, with last season. The one thing that we did discuss, and you were on this show with me, Justin, uh, you run a lot of shows, but, but you know, we primarily we like when you're on this show for the international audience that we uh, we capture here. And they were a different level of agitated after that game. So, you know, I've been someone that's, look, Giannis, he's acting like he's happy and everything's fine. He's eating chicken at the post-game press conference, but I can tell you inside that he is annoyed that they've been losing some of these games. But that Denver game was the one game where I was like, okay, uh, no one can hide this. Bud is pissed. Giannis is pissed. Everyone is is not happy with how this game went out. Maybe it is a turning point, and maybe they did need a bit of an embarrassing kick up the ass to switch into gear. Who knows? Yeah. And I mean, I can tell you that, I mean, you heard the post game and, and it, you, as you, as you mentioned, you can tell um, he was not happy. He being coach Budenholzer and they had an earful, they had practices and things that they traditionally weren't doing. So it was definitely message received. And I, I agree that, you know, it's a team that won the championship last year. And, and look, I'll concede the biggest differences between those early season struggles a year ago versus this year is, Last year, 50% of the roster was new. Last year, you were experimenting on defense. You were working in a Drew Holiday and figuring out, do we switch more? Do we do this? The dunker spot and, and how that became part of the lexicon for every single Bucks fan last year and some of the changes they had. You weren't really doing that this year. It was just injuries. But every team has had injuries to deal with. So you, you can't really use that as an excuse. It, it seemed like it was just a team that was off the championship that was basically content and knew – hey, we're one of the three best teams in the conference here. As long as we finish in that one through three spot and get to the playoffs healthy, that's that's really our biggest objective. And sometimes it takes losses like that to say, okay, we got to make sure we get into that three spot and we don't finish this season where it's just been a crazy Eastern Conference, you know, going close to 500 or being fourth or even fifth and, and having no home court advantage in a first round series, which – is still, I guess, a very real possibility when you look at a conference that's separated by, I think, six games, one through nine. Well, let's remember, the Bucs are terrible in game one, so the importance of home court advantage, we'll see how that plays out later in the season. But it has been an unusual season. There's been unusual circumstances, which has led to complicated uh, ramifications of games in the standings which is interesting because it does remind me of another aspect of life because people think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. But for TurboTax Live, 
uh, experts. They they are the ones that make things interesting here with TurboTax because we all have unique lives, whether you're invested in crypto for the first time this year, own an upcoming small business, or are raising rambunctious twins. TurboTax Live has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes from for you from start to finish. They help you get every deduction you deserve, no matter your unique situation. And you can talk to a TurboTax Live expert through your phone or your computer without leaving your house. And for those that listen to this show regularly, uh, you would have heard Frank Madden's uh, passionate uh, advertisement for TurboTax. He's been with TurboTax for quite a while, and he said he can attest to all of this. Uh, he loves them and makes his life easy for him and his wife. So if you want to talk to TurboTax live experts, just visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. That's TurboTax live. Well, as always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every single day. But it is a big week, and the NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10 at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And the Locked On NBA podcast will be covering it live from 2 to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball host and the second favorite Aussie in the Locked On Network, Josh Lloyd, to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA on YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. Uh, how about some love for Pat Connaughton? Uh, Justin, yesterday, obviously, he went nuts from three, hit six triples. We've seen him do this uh, from time to time. But, you know, for the for a, a big part of this season, it feels like he's kind of been the glue that's held a lot of things together. And it's interesting if you just look across his numbers, he's now in his fourth year in Milwaukee time, when people say time flies, when you think about Pat Connaughton being his fourth year in Milwaukee, to me, that's uh, one of those things. Remember, he was one of the guys that those low salary guys that came across. Brooke Lopez was another one. He's one of the original members of this Bucks team that really uh, took off back in 2018-19. But this season, he's getting double-digit points, so he's gone to another level from a scoring perspective. His minutes have gone up, so that does make sense. Uh, but he's an excellent re- rebounder for his position. He's hitting 41% of his threes. His three-point shooting has continually improved every season to uh, last year. I think he was the guy that benefited a lot from hitting big shots during the regular season, uh, being trusted to take those big shots, and then following on and doing that through a championship run. He just looks like a player that – and he spoke about it, and he's been asked about it, and he said for him – yeah, that feeling of belonging in Milwaukee, feeling like the team wants him, familiarity, the confidence that the guys have given him. But it shows. Like when you talk about seeing a role player that has gained confidence over a period of time, when he first came, he was a he was a fun player to watch. And he was, everyone was intrigued by the athleticism, all the different things that he can do, some of the crazy things he does with the closeouts and those types of things. Uh, but now uh, there's no other way to describe Pat Connaughton other than just a really, really damn good NBA player. He's um, it's it's amazing to me that I know I talked about this earlier in the year for as as much as we talk about Giannis and the work he puts in on his game and off seasons. We don't say the same thing about Pat Connaughton, but you, you think about Pat Connaughton's trajectory in Milwaukee and you mentioned he's been a fan favorite since he arrived, but for different reasons every year where the first year he was here, it was kind of unknown what to expect from him. He didn't play much in Portland. And uh, he showed up as basically the energy guy off the bench with the closeouts and blocking jumpers from behind and um, the leader of the bench mob, that that was Pat Connaughton version 1.0. 
The following year, we saw a little more offense, but he wasn't Pat Connaughton, the shooter. He was Pat Connaughton, the dunker, and then in the slam dunk contest and still a fan favorite. And then that third year is when we saw him start to take more and more shots and deep three-pointers to the point where this year, I mean, he's a bona fide shooter. You mentioned 41 three points, uh, 41% on his threes. Do you know how many times or how many games in a Bucks uniform he's hit six or more threes? Uh, well, I didn't know if yesterday was the first, but it'd be a couple, two or three. No, four. Yeah, four that uh, he's done. He's had a couple seven three games, which when you first saw Pat Connaughton, you wouldn't have thought that of like, okay, this is a guy that can hit maybe two or three in a game, but he's consistently been around four and he's turned himself into a really good shooter this year. He's dealt with some struggles, but look, I, I think part of that is what we've seen with a handful of guys um, is just the injuries and the workload and how this roster has kind of changed. When Pat Connaughton plays that role that we saw in the postseason last year, he's really good. And all throughout this year, he's just been all over the place where you've had to use him in the starting lineup. You've had to use him in the front court, in the back court. There's not really been a whole lot of consistency. And I think that's why you saw the numbers and, and at times uh, for smaller stretches, some of the shooting percentages dip. But as this team gets healthier, I think you're going to see guys like Pat and Bobby Portis start to get more consistent and the shots start to fall more. I'm not saying it explains everything, but it is worth pointing out this team gets more depth in the front court. Pat Connaughton shifts back to that role. I know he started last night, but shifts back to that role that you've expected from him, and he looks pretty good. Bobby Portis is all of a sudden knocking down shots again when Giannis and Bobby have another guy in the front court to help them out. So I think that's been part of it, too, that we know what to expect from these guys. And, oh, by the way, I, I think we all still remember everybody – that laughed at the signing of Pat Connaughton and told us how awful of a deal it was when the Bucks signed him immediately in free agency last winter. Pat Connaughton is going to be very, very rich and paid. If it's not by the Bucks, he's going to have a lot of suitors if he opts out of his contract this summer. Well, that's the interesting thing with Pat. And you said he's always been a fan favorite. I was going to immediately interject and say, well, he wasn't <laughs> always a fan favorite. Now, how do you get the fans back on your side? By getting buckets. That's what we always say. He certainly did that. And it is funny that uh, you talk about the contract. So uh, 4.9 last season, 5.3 this season, uh, 5.7 player option next year. And we understand why there was ridicule around the contract because of the way that it went down. It was yeah. a weird situation. Should he be getting all, more money now and the three-year deal, the player option, all I those types say, of things? I was going to say, I think it was that you came out of the gates in free agency with Pat, Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis were the two that people were scratching their heads at. How, how do you do this the first week in a free agency? So I think it was how early it was and the fact that the way the contract was structured and with that third year and how it was laid out. No doubt. And I, I think to be fair, uh, and I think this is a perfectly fine and reasonable opinion to have if you had a looked at Pat and said, okay, well, we know what he's given us the first two seasons. He's a, he's a role player. He was getting around $1.6 over those first two seasons. So it's fair to say he was underpaid given the role that the Bucks were asking him to play. Uh, but uh, how much room for improvement does he have? How much better can he get? Well, he's shown now that he's taken another couple of steps in a few different aspects of his game. And clearly, Bobby Portis has blown out whatever anyone thought that he was going to do. Uh, the thing that I love about Pat Connaughton, though, is if you're a role player, uh, generally, there's specific things that the team asks you to do. And where you can get yourself in trouble is if you're a role player and you try to go outside those parameters or you try to do a little bit too much. Pat just doesn't do it. He doesn't do that. He does what he's good at. 
and nothing else. It's so rare, and you can talk about some defensive breakdowns again, that's fine, but it's so rare offensively that you're looking at Pat and saying, what are you doing, Pat? Why are you trying that? He's an efficient fin- uh, finisher around the rim. He's 55 for 78 within five feet this year. That's 70%. That's excellent, for a, particularly, again, for a role player. And uh, even with his three-point shooting, there's a reason why he's probably shooting such a good percentage is because he doesn't take bad shots. He averages 5.7 three-point attempts per game. 5.4 of the 5.7 are catch and shoot. He's not taking a dribble. His feet are set. His shoulders are square. He's letting it fly. You said he's obviously extended the range. Some of these threes are really, really deep. But he knocks them down. He hits 41% on those catch and shoot threes. So, uh, look, we just don't talk about Pat Connaughton a lot. So I figured that it was time to to give him some credit. And, yeah, look, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that player option. We've seen guys like Pat and guys like Bobby. Well, certainly Bobby last offseason could have got more money. He loved it here. He understands that. You can be a player that can get more money, there's no doubt, but what role will you be asked to play? There's no question that those guys are in probably the best possible spot they can be uh, league-wide. We'll see whether that's enough and whether the Bucks can help him out at the end of this season. I'm sure he's a guy that everyone would like to uh, keep around, but I uh, wouldn't bet on it right now. But if you're into betting, go to Bet Online. It has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march towards the Super Bowl uh, betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season as BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's get into this Lakers game. So as we said right off the top, 9 p.m. Central Time tip uh, for this game. Everyone get your naps in and you'll be good to go uh, for this one. But we spoke where the Bucks are in the standings. Uh, the Lakers, it's uh, it's not so nice, Justin. They're 26 and 28 on the season, ninth in the Western Conference. Now, I don't think there's any danger of them slipping out of the playing tournament. They are five games ahead. Uh, of Portland, who are in 11th, and they're, they're actually four and a half games ahead of the Pelicans, who are in the playing tournament there as well. So uh, I don't think that they're going to miss the playoffs, but certainly avoiding the playing tournament, they were there last year, avoiding the playing tournament is going to be challenging, and maybe it's going to be challenging to avoid that, that double play-in game as well, which they might have to go through a couple of games to get into uh, the postseason, it's it's been a bit of a disaster as far as injuries go tomorrow. Kamalo is out, like most of the oldies on this team. He's been asked to play too many minutes. His hamstring went pop the other night. It didn't look great. He's out. AD is probable with a wrist. LeBron is probable with a knee. Dwight is questionable with, who knows? I can't even remember. So the point being, this Lakers team is banged up. Anytime LeBron and Giannis go against each other, it's typically a pretty entertaining matchup. And regardless of where the Lakers are at, you know LeBron, if he plays, he's going to get up for this matchup. So it's not a given, but this Lakers team isn't very good. It's another opportunity for the Bucs to take advantage here. Yeah, um, they're not good. Uh, earlier in the year, this is one of the games that you would uh, you would be somewhat nervous about because the Lakers aren't good, but these are the games that seem to give the Bucs some issues. They played a relatively close game earlier this year, and, and that was what started, I think, the the Bucks' win streak at the time. 
Um, and I believe that's that's the game where Chris Middleton returned for them. But of course, there was no LeBron in that game. So you only saw uh, Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. But, you know, to all the points you made, it's not a good team. And you're seeing Anthony Davis has looked a lot better since returning from injury because he was really bad early in the year. But he's looked a lot closer to the version he was uh, last season and his first year in Los Angeles. But I mean, still, Carmelo Anthony has, has filled a nice role for them. He's gone. Russell Westbrook, I think, has, has been much maligned. Everybody knows what to expect from him, that those struggles have been there. But LeBron versus Giannis it, it has given us some good matchups. It's the surrounding cast for the Lakers that, that have just been absolutely brutal. And, you know, for the Bucs, it's, it's games like these where your role players are going to be important. And we've seen the role players, Pat Connaughton, who we just talked about, play much better here recently. But those are the guys that are going to have to shine. Sure, you're going to need big games from your big three, but you need somebody else to step up and, and, and have one of those types of games because it just comes down to the horses. The Bucs have more than the Lakers do. And it's it's just the Lakers team that's lost. So these are the games you need to take advantage of, especially, as we mentioned at the top, with a schedule that is going to get increasingly difficult in March. You want to win as many of these winnable games as you can so you have wins banked going into a difficult stretch. Yeah, I mean, you go through the numbers. And uh, I was listening to a podcast a while ago, and I can't remember who said it, so I kind of give them credit, but it was one of the, the big podcasts. Uh, similarly big to Lockdown Bucks, of course. And uh, someone said, well, look, the Lakers, they're like, well, what are they good at? They don't, they don't defend. They can't score. They can't shoot. So they're not good at anything. And they're kind of right. If you look at the, the mm-hmm. rankings, the Lakers are 24th in uh, offense, 18th, uh, sorry, 16th in defense, 18th in three-point percentage. They're 12th in points in the paint. So there's just nothing that they really do well. And you pointed to Camelo Anthony. And I think that this is the thing with the Lakers that we have seen. The Lakers can still beat you because LeBron can go off. Uh, They've won a number of games that I've been watching this year where they've had to rely on Carmelo Anthony shooting the lights out from three, getting you 20 points. And for me personally, I think it's fun to see Carmelo Anthony have those games. Like I enjoy that. I've always enjoyed the Carmelo Anthony experience. So it's been fun to see him have these really cool and, and great moments. But every time I did it, I was like, are we really in 2022 where the Lakers are relying on these Camelo Anthony outbursts to win games of basketball. And that's where the problem uh, sort of lies for them because we know previously when they've had struggles or when LeBron's missed time and, and AD's missed time, they've at least been able to lean on the defense. Uh, they can't do that this year. So again, it's not to say that the Bucs are going to walk through and win this game because the star power is still there and they can do crazy stuff on any given night. But over across the bulk of the season uh, with guys in and out of the lineup, Yes, with how old they are, uh, the the large sample size tells you that this isn't a good team and they're not going to have much luck across the course of a playoff series. But we'll see. It is a game that the Bucks should win. Uh, and LeBron, you know, I, I think the LeBron experience this year has been interesting just watching how he's handled uh, the media and the, the disappointments that they've had so far. And he is very dramatic, LeBron. I saw a, a quote come across Twitter today. And LeBron's obviously been out with this knee soreness. And I think he missed two or three games, so it's, you know, whatever. Five, yeah. Well, he missed five, did he? And um, yeah. he said his quote was something like, oh, I woke up and my knee was wrecked. 
it was absolutely wrecked. And it's like, well, no, I mean, what's wrecked is a Kawhi Leonard knee or a Jamal Murray. That's a wrecked knee. You had a bit of swelling in your knee. You're a bit older. Let's not get too dramatic. You're back playing. First game back, you're looking really good. So anyway, just, just, it's just, a, it's a whole show. It's a, this whole team is a show and it's very entertaining. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of uh, I'm not a I'm not suggesting you are I'm not a LeBron hater, but I can also recognize the shtick and the act grows a little tired at times. And I think a lot of people <laughs> were very excited to see the Memphis Grizzlies pushing back on LeBron with yeah. some of the complaints that he had in that game. Um, but they had that win streak without Anthony Davis. They've gone five and eight in the thirteen games since. And I know LeBron missed a handful of games in there, but. Um, the first time these two teams played this year, not to put you on the spot, but do you know who the leading scorer in the game was for the Lakers, which feels like a lifetime ago? Um, who would have even played for the Lakers back then? So LeBron did not play, but the other two stars did. Carmelo Anthony did play. And basically everybody else that they assembled at the start of the year was there except LeBron. It was probably Westbrook, was it? Oh. It was Talon Horton Tucker who scored oh. 25 points. And that's another thing where all the hype behind Taylor Horton Tucker, the big contract they gave him, he started off playing pretty well early, but he's been a borderline disaster for them ever since, uh, what, like December this season. So it, it's all the issues that the, the Lakers have had with this roster, with the, the Russell Westbrook issues, guys like Taylor Horton Tucker, who they invested quite a bit in, just have not panned out. It, it's basically just been LeBron and Malik Monk that you can lean on and Austin Reeves has surpassed expectations as well. So that shows you it's a team personnel-wise that's basically been in shambles, and the Bucs should take advantage of this. Well, Malik Monk, another player that's had some big moments against the Bucs, so you always expect him to play well. Taylor Horton Tucker, anytime he does anything, it always reminds me of that clip uh, from Jay Williams after the uh, <laughs> after the Bucs signed uh, Giannis to the – or Giannis signed the Supermax, and he's like, well, you know – I'd be worried about the Lakers. Have you seen Taylor Horton Tucker? And uh, unfortunately, it hasn't quite panned out for him. And he hasn't become the asset that I think the Lakers were hoping he would become so they could get themselves out of some of this roster stuff that they're in there. But, uh, you know, not a great take there from Jay Will. But uh, nonetheless, like I said, this probably will be an entertaining game and could quite uh, you know, likely be a close game because you do have the LeBron and the honest factor there, but we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Make sure you do check out the Locked On Bets podcast, though. I'm always mentioning it, but your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling will have you covered there. So you can search Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts, and they will help you out there. But uh, Justin, uh, finish work tomorrow, get a nap in, recharge the batteries, and get ready to roll. Yeah. Um, hey, we, at least we get to see LeBron versus Giannis. We think it's a national game. So, look, there, there's there's worse games on the schedule. We got through the brutal ones, at least on this West Coast trip, for uh, the games to stay up late for. At least you have the spectacle of LeBron and Anthony Davis, and then on Thursday you got the uh, finals rematch. So that makes it easier for the late-night basketball. Yeah, that game against Phoenix. I mean, you talk about teams that are going to be motivated to play well. I uh, think the Bucks might be walking into something in a few nights' time. So that's another reason why you would love to get this win uh, go 3-0 and in the road trip and then figure out whatever you can against the Suns. But again, I think that's going to be a pretty tough uh, matchup to win, particularly with how well uh, they've been playing so far. But uh, look, we'll be back after the Lakers game. 
uh, whoever I can drag onto the show at that uh, that hour will be here with me. Maybe Frank will stay up late. Who knows? Either way, we'll have a post-game pod, so make sure you check that out. But for now, for Justin and myself, we'll leave it there. We'll catch you guys after the game. <laughs>